Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm Creeping It Real. We got a very special guest this Super evening. Super special guest and from New York. All the way from New York, guy. <laughs> <laughs> is it that part of New York? Is White Plains uh, like... Nah, no. nah. <laughs> so tonight, it's all New York. Yeah, we're going to be talking to Adam G. from Reptile Finder from Komodo Reptiles. How are you doing tonight, man? Yo, what's going on, fellas? <laughs> what's I up? I am pumped to fucking How have you, you on, man. I'm excited. Oh, thank, thank you. This is awesome. I'm glad I could uh, be on with you guys. Hell to the yeah. Hell yeah, dude. So, starting out, because I want to know, do you, were you into reptiles as a kid? Or, or was this like something you got into a little bit later? Were you, were oh, you no, like, no. This is this is uh, day one. Just day like one? Hell all yeah. you guys. Hell yeah. yeah. I think uh, as far back as I can remember, I think I was like three or four years old. I had uh, my parents, they got me one of those reptile birthday parties, you know? Fuck yeah. And, uh, and I can remember it clear as day, to this day, a big uh, Eastern King oh. just like crawling through my shirt. And I thought it was like the most amazing thing in the world. Hell like, yeah. And, and that was it. It was, it was downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. And, uh, you know, my was, dad like said, is probably like four years old. And then um, I would say in elementary school, I started like keeping stuff very you know lightly just you know get a, a little baby readier from chinatown mm-hmm. or yeah. uh you know one of the aquatic african claw frogs from the local pet store and you know hermit crabs and uh i think i eventually actually uh i think my first ever white plains show i picked up a uh, a green anole i think it was oh yeah uh, damn <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then probably by, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years old, that's when I got my first corn snake. And then I wanted another corn snake, and it happened <laughs> to be a pear. So by the time I was 12, I was an official corn snake breeder. Woo! <laughs> Damn! <laughs> and, uh, and, and fun fact, uh, from that first year producing a clutch of corns, I have never gone one year without producing reptiles. Wow. That's amazing. That is wild. So it's been a long time. That's pretty time. awesome, dude. And to this day, I love corn snakes still. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Hell to the yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, Rob's finally excited about corn snakes I, for I'm once. I'm just now learning to appreciate corn snakes because for a long time <laughs> oh. I was just a diehard python guy and I was like, corn sure. snakes, get them out of here. I don't want to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they got, they got so much, so many positive qualities about them, like, a lot of people recommend balls as first snakes and whatnot, but I always go for a corn. You know, they're like super uh, interactive and mellow and easy to keep and easy to breed. Really awesome species. I've definitely made that shift at our store because usually ball pythons are like kind of what we push as if people sure, want to get their first exactly. snake as a ball python. But honestly, if I get people who are like, you know, not 
uh, you know, so set in. I just want it to sit there and play dead. I usually try and push them for a corn snake because if they can handle something that moves around a little bit, I'm like, you're gonna enjoy the corn snake way more. It'll climb in the enclosure. It'll you'll Absolutely. see it more often. It's not gonna like go off feed for you. It's just like such a uh, a good all around snake. And you can have them bomb proof. Once they get a, you know over a foot, they're bomb proof. Like you cannot. It's really hard. Yeah, to kill I was them. gonna say. I mean, they can take pretty extreme heat. They can take extreme cold. cold. Yep. They'll eat anything. And and at the mm -hmm. same time, you can create an awesome. You know, now that it's it's popular, I'll use the term bioactive. You could go crazy with an enclosure, and they would use every square inch of it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I love that for about sure. them. Hell Definitely. Yeah. We were, we were just uh, kind of ragging on bioactive, uh, yeah. the, just the popularity of, of bioactive, because everybody's been like, it's this new craze, and it's like, right. no, no, dude, living vivariums have been around for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just Absolutely. now getting mainstream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always personally, like, uh, kind of played on the fence between going, you know, say, racks versus bioactive. I think both have their place. Mm -hmm. um i think um bioactive presents a lot more challenges if you're going for the breeding aspect of it yeah um but to me that's the fun part is getting over those those new hurdles you know mm -hmm. and there's been a few species where you know i've done them in a rack and and all is gravy and then just to take it that next notch now go you know as natural as you want to call it and and figure out the different quirks from that end you know mm -hmm. yeah for sure for, for example um i learned the hard way that you can actually have too many isopods in your dirt yes <laughs> uh, i lost um for probably i've i've been breeding gastrophobus for like almost seven years now and for the first two years i was losing all my eggs to isopods oh damn. oh damn and I was like, I was blaming like the pair, the adults on eating their eggs until uh, <laughs> finally I discovered a, a clutch that was just inundated with isopods. And there was like little like, uh, you know, they made like Swiss cheese out of the eggshells. Oh, that sucks. So finally, once I uh, put two and two together, um, I realized, yeah, you can have too many more white <laughs> isopods. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, when, frog guys have known this already because they eat frog eggs too. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sheesh, when bioactive goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, but that's, no, that's uh, how you shut I, the bioactive bitches down. <laughs> <laughs> Buy this no, one extra cup of isopods and watch yeah. what happens. <laughs> no, it is cool to see people getting into that aspect of it, though, because I think it does give you a, a greater appreciation of the actual species. For sure, yeah. yeah, and and actually, like, really trying to recreate the aspect of the wild. Um, yeah, you know, especially absolutely. as especially as like a conversational piece. Like, if you have your animals like in your living room or somewhere where you know, if you're having friends over, they come in and see it, and they're like, "Oh, dude, like that looks dope." Like and you're slice like, "Yeah, of the jungle, right in my living room." <laughs> exactly. You're like, "Yeah, dude, like this animal comes from so and so, and like their habitat's actually vanishing." But you know, I'm doing my best to recreate that. Here's a little piece of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's there's no question that in a naturalistic more naturalistic setup you'll see behaviors that you just can't observe in a sterile system or or whatever you want to call it, a basic setup 100%. there's just behaviors you just won't see which are unique to certain species you know 
For sure, for sure. Yeah, you add all those elements in there, and it unlocks quite a bit. Exactly, exactly. Like uh, again with the with the gastros, people were uh, keeping them pretty basic just to get them off the ground at first. When I first um, acquired mine from Europe, and um, <clears throat> I went full bioactive, if you want to call it, right off the rip. Mm-hmm. And again, I was like, I would see the female like blow up, definitely gravid, acting all the right ways. And then I was like, never finding eggs. Uh, and this was like, in this, my female cycles year round. So this was like the first summer I had them. She was cycling and laying. I couldn't find them. And uh, most people were used to them laying off the ground in tubes or what have you, gluing their eggs like geckos. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I happened to be keeping them a little too hot, evidently. She was actually going to the ground and 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 laying them in a you know a small burrow like a monitor almost or something. Um, oh wow! And and you know that's not something you could you would have seen if you had them in an empty cage with a nest box, you know, and and that's that. Right, you know? right, right. Because now I've seen. All right, let me lower the temperatures because that doesn't make sense. She's really finding a cool spot, and sure enough. She'll pick now based on humidity and temperature rather than just avoiding heat. So she'll mm. find a, a cork tube in this corner one month, under this pothos plant root ball another month, just based on whatever conditions are, are right, you know. And, again, if you had, you know, a, a sterile-type setup using a small nest box, you know, similar to how people may do uh, leopard geckos or something, you're only seeing that one pattern. You know, you're not right. you're not really getting uh, perspective for the whole picture. Very true. That's super interesting. That is very interesting. So you don't work with just those guys. You work with like a huge variety of different species. Um, In particular, ball pythons, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, I keep a little bit of too much variety at times. Uh, Same, but, bro. You know, just like you guys, like, we like it all, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, like, you know, my non-reptile friends and family, they may say, like, oh, what's your favorite? Like, I literally could not pick a favorite. There's there's stuff that I enjoy certain aspects of more than others, but mm-hmm. there's no way I can say, like, oh, I don't like this one at all. You know, that's <laughs> just not a thing. But, yeah, I, I keep a lot of different stuff. Um all the uh, lizards at the moment, um, I do, uh, as we're talking about, bioactive. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, the snakes, um, all the different snakes I have racked. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some I do just loose tubs because they don't need additional heat, like some of the Asian rats and, yeah. yep. and stuff like that. I, I just recently got a, uh, um, a green rat, a centicollis, um, mm. that that i don't put additional heat on um some of like the south american um tropical colubrids those I don't do are you talking cyclophus right now cyclophus we are talking uh, <laughs> yes uh. all right so those all right so i was just i'm gonna contradict myself a little here i just said i really don't have a favorite but those, those are <laughs> those are towards the top of the list they are so goddamn cool if you don't those know what we're looking at we're talking of... about right now Go Google it. Cyclophus yeah. compressus. That's right. Uh, it's like what the I don't know the common name is like a compressed red banded snake or something. I think, I think it's like flat snake or something. Yeah. Which 
is like ridiculous. But yeah, Syphilophis compressus. Check it out if you don't know what it is. Oh my! Be prepared to have your socks blown off because it is one of the <laughs> coolest looking snakes on the planet. Like oh, absolutely. And and I'll tell you, they are hardy as hell. That's awesome. <laughs> I would love to get them established eventually, uh, but unfortunately, I've only ever had females come in. Uh... But uh, man, they would be a great great staple for the industry because as you see they are so attractive they are hardy as hell they eat like champs mm. really oh and uh and to top it off super docile i've never had one strike or anything i say i don't think i've ever, even yeah. ever seen any pictures of any of them acting defensive or anything no super super chill and like they are so easy to keep like that's... there's nothing there's nothing tricky to them at all they're oh, very straightforward and and what what you don't see if if you do like a deep dive online in, into some of the uh, scientific papers and whatnot, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they get pretty fucking big. Yeah, they, yeah, they uh, do. <laughs> they get like a definitely a solid six seven foot, probably yes. like you know almost ping pong ball size around. That's where uh, it's that's at. badass. Yeah, yeah. They, they're awesome. I mean, I've seen Shit. pictures of them eating like juvenile green iguanas. <sighs> Oh That's man! So cool! <laughs> so cool! So That's, so cool! Yeah, it's pretty fucking intense, dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, I saw you going down that road, and I was like, "Please tell me he's going to talk about those things." I, I was like, <laughs> "I." They I are really, love really those. awesome, awesome snakes. I, I, I usually get like at least one a year, and they always do really well. I've sold a bunch of them because, again, I've only ended up getting females. So yeah, I don't want to just hoard a whole group of females. Uh, I'll, I'll spread the, the, the enjoyment a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, they're really, really neat. And, and fun fact, the uh, babies hatch with, like, a white, partial white stripe on the head. Uh, ooh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's almost like have you seen like um, the baby sunbeams? How they yeah, have the they got the head? ring. Yep. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of similar idea to that. Interesting. Huh. Hmm. That's really yeah, cool got, though. And uh, and in the, from the very similar um, niche in the wild, um, I also have the uh, the cat snakes, Leptodera annulata. Mm, uh, hell yeah! Super, cool. Again, super underrated, man. Those used to. I remember those used to come in super cheap, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And, like, it just, again, like, they just got passed by the wayside because of other species. But, man, again, super easy. Not quite as hardy as the Syphilophis, but once you get them going, they're bulletproof. Um, and a lot of this stuff, like I was saying, is would be a great um, addition to the industry because um, just like how crested geckos took off, for the fact that they don't need all this additional heat and light and everything. Mm-hmm. These are just just the same, and you can go crazy with an awesome planted setup, and they'll use every inch of it. Oh, I just picture a Cyphlophus in, like, this, like, four-foot by three-foot by four-foot enclosure with, like, a water feature at the bottom and, like, fully planted. Oh, uh, hell oh. yeah, man. Hell yeah. That's a dream. That. That's a fucking dream right that. there. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have a big love for colubrids. You, you work with like the uh, hundred flower snakes and and uh, yeah. the cyclophus and all this different stuff. The, the cyclophus are definitely at the top. What do you think of the like hundred flowers? How are they working out for so, you? So 
So, yeah, so this is my first year um, pairing them. My female is going to be laying um, shortly. I, I forgot to mark her last shed, but she's definitely gravid. Nice. Um, so I raised her up from a uh, fresh hatched import, uh, I guess captive hatched if you want to call it, but, yep. you know, hadn't shed or anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that was five years ago. She's now, you know, six foot eating Giant. medium rat. <laughs> um <laughs> Again, that thing has never seen additional heat in her life. Mm-hmm. Never. Wow. Uh, they are like, for me, they're like a real, true rat snake. Like, Hell yeah. like powerful constrictors. But man, there's a there's something more going on upstairs than say a corn snake or a black rat. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've heard really I've heard that in... from a couple of other people that keep them. Like, there's there's something to watch about them. Yeah, I, I have mine just in, in tubs without heat or anything, just stacked, you know, on top of racks. And I walk down into the basement, and they perk right up, and they're looking, checking out what's going on. And it, it's not like a feed – it's not a feed response. They're, yeah, they're, they're curious legitimately as to what's curious. going on. Yeah. Mm. So you keep all these species, um, these um, cooler temp species, you could, I, I guess you would say, without extra heat. So what's your ambient – uh, yeah, so at. for for that for that stuff that I don't keep additional heat on, um, I would say a safe number to throw out would be winter ambience, uh, anywhere between sixty to sixty eight, uh, and summer ambience um, being anywhere between eighty to eighty eight, and anywhere in between. But for the most part. Your far end of winter and your far end of summer are pretty stable at those numbers. Hmm. That's interesting. So and, they definitely get like a full cycle, like noticeable temperature cycle. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, once they're once I put them basically into a breeding regimen, that's when I'll actually brewmate um, the adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and those cool. I those again I I don't do exact temperatures. As simple as it may sound, I just put them in you know sweater boxes and put them in the garage uh and depending what species it is they that depends whether they go on the bottom of the stack near the floor or the top of the stack off the floor a bit mm-hmm. um so i'll kind of juggle a little bit so to give you an idea the mollendorf i um i really i'll be honest i really don't have much data to support my theory here but i feel that they need some pretty cold brumation temperatures mm-hmm. so i put them directly on the floor of my garage so they're sitting i would say they probably experienced a low temp of probably 40 degrees wow. um 100 and i would say they sat the whole winter anywhere between 40 and 50 52 something like that wow um, yep I've heard that from so, a couple different people like, that they can go way, way cold. If you, you know, Alan Both from uh, Major yeah, League, he works absolutely. with Mulder and and I always, every time I talk to him, I got to pick his brain a little bit more about mm-hmm. them because he's he seems to be doing really, really well with them. Yep, yep, he's been producing them for a while now. Yeah, they're definitely a cool, such a cool underrated snake. snake. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, they're uh, they're super impressive to hold, especially when they reach those big, big sizes. Yeah. They're, they're strong. They're fucking green, which is awesome. Yep. Oh yeah. With that um, red head. That, yeah, that big red head. It's like the head is really reminiscent for me of a retic. 
Mm, I can see that. Yeah. Kind of like coffin 100%. shaped almost. Yeah. Yeah, the shape and just how they're looking at you and stuff. They're definitely cool. That is awesome. Um, but I just just to just to touch back on the the brumation. So like I mm-hmm. mentioned, I'll put them on the bottom of the stack directly on the floor. Yeah. And then um usually I'll do like corn snakes and stuff pretty pretty cold too. Um mm-hmm. so those might be like second or so. And then like towards the top and the middle, I'll do like hognose and uh I have the um, Royal Diadems, the Atriceps. Oh, yeah. Um, those are awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, those, I, I've heard some horror stories uh, from some people in Europe that killed them during brumation. Mm. Um, I, I've i got them pretty damn cold, and I've had really, knock on wood, I've had some really good success with them. So I just am going to keep doing what I'm doing, of course. Yep. Um, a theory I have, though, is they have a really large range. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I personally believe I have a um, Pakistani locale. Like obviously Pakistan's a huge country, so I couldn't tell you where. Exactly. I'm sure um, the habitat varies quite a bit, but um, yeah. I believe I have Pakistan origin animals. Um, and there's also um, in Europe I've seen stuff that looks more like Indian origin animals, um, which tend to be higher black. And yeah. I think come from a little bit of a cooler area than say southern Pakistan or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think maybe certain locales can maybe tolerate colder temperatures than others, and uh, I think that might be why I'm having different experience from some of the other Europeans that are losing animals in brumation. Um, but I will say I wish I had the Indian animals because they're like <laughs> super, super high black. And like crazy reds and stuff. I, really, I remember those really coming neat. in and them being like a hundred bucks, and I was like, "Man, that's a cool looking snake." But I no one wanted them. Yeah, no one wanted them. Yeah, and I was like, "Ah, if I had known." Uh. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're, they're another one, man. Uh, so I let the cat out of the bag a little bit. I'm basically hoarding those. Yes. Um, they uh, they hundred percent deserve their place back in the hobby. They are awesome snakes. Hell yeah. The the babies come out eating fuzzies right out of the egg. Damn. Uh, yes. <laughs> they they grow super quick. Again, they're really tolerant of high temperatures and obviously they brumate so they can take low temperatures. Mm-hmm. They eat like beasts. They're big and bulky. The the ontogenic color change is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um and I kind of in uh, uh I'll get I'll find out more. I have a, a clutch hatching I think in a week. So I'll find out some more this year, but there seems to be two phenotypes, um, which, uh, I guess I would compare it to how you have yellow and red chondros. Yeah. Mm. So there's ones that hatch, uh, more orange based with thin, thinner saddles. Mm-hmm. And, and those tend to be lower black as adult. Again, this is theory that I'm hoping to learn more about this year. Um, and then the other phenotype would be a more uh, textbook saddled uh, rat snake, baby rat snake per se, like yeah. a brownish, yeah. tannish. And those, I think, develop into your more higher black animals. Hmm. Um, Interesting. At first, I thought it was a sex link thing. Um, and I was like freaking out, like, oh, my God, the males, this explains why my male looks like this. And. But no, I got males and females of both phenotype. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see 
um, if there is that connection between the amount of black uh, as they mature. Um, That'd be pretty interesting. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah, just something I picked up on. Um, that's also another species I really do want to uh, go bioactive, so to speak, with just to get another uh, angle of their behavior. Because um, mm. I, I think, uh, I think they'd be really interesting to like observe in a more natural setup. Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah! All that... my uh, all my coach whips. I uh, <sighs> sorry, I'm referring to the uh, Sonoran coach whips. Yeah, uh, yeah. Singulum. Those I do keep. I don't keep them bioactive per se, but those I do keep in cages with lights. Yeah. Um, those need some intense heat and light. Mm-hmm. Intense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for in sure. fact, to the point, I I keep them in a different room that gets hot. Um, I'm talking right now. That room is probably 88 degrees, and they have like a 150 degree basking spot. Um, so and they're, they're, about they're it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, they're all about it. If it if it even dips, like, oh man, if they if they drop in temperature by like a few degrees, like I would say less than ten degrees, they automatically go off feed. Wow, wow. They 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 need some intense intense heat and light. That's in fact, I had such a I had moved them into a different room mm. um, this past uh, what was it? I guess. Uh, early winter mm-hmm. and i made sure that both rooms were pretty similar in temperature before i made the move because i didn't want to mess up their cycle yeah and i think it was off by like literally like three four five degrees and sure enough they cycled like way out of pattern and i'm pretty sure i missed their window this year oh, um, damn. just because when yeah when i moved them i think they ended up cycling in like i don't even know like end of january february mm-hmm um, just based off that like few degree drops, um, that was their winter, and then once it warmed back up in the new room, there's their spring, and they cycled. Um, Damn. Wow. Which I, and I, the only reason I didn't pair them when I saw all their cues was because they had laid their eggs late last year. So I was like, man, they Too early, they laid man. like you know four months ago or whatever. They can't be cycling <laughs> again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, hey, better to play it safe than sorry in that aspect yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's crazy that they can that that such a minute difference in their temperature yeah. could send them through a, a literally a whole biological clock change. Absolutely. You know, change. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean you gotta figure, I mean, they're not equatorial, but they're damn close to it. So Granted, you know, your winter nights are going to get cold and stuff, but it's still hot as fuck during the day, almost year-round. <laughs> yeah, them, you know? yeah like, for sure. <laughs> so I, I could definitely see how, you know, uh, consistent, meaning day and night, slight temperature drop is enough to uh, trigger that seasonal change in them, you know? Yeah. Um, Damn. But yeah, those are, those are cool. I will say the babies are uh, tough to get started. They definitely want to eat lizards. There's mm-hmm. no question. Um, I think you can definitely get past that somewhat uh, a few generations in. Um, yeah. You know? Um, but I will say, uh, you know, if you give them all the lizards they want, eventually with a little when they put a little size on them, they're ready to take on pinkies. Mm-hmm. And, uh that's cool. They're very um, calculated in their their meals, in their prey. Um, even my adults, my male is big. He's I don't even know seven foot or something, and um, and they they won't take large meals. You can't stretch them. 
Um, yeah. They just, uh, I don't know. It's like they don't have the confidence or the care to tackle big meals. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. you got to figure yeah. from a standpoint in the wild, they're, they're probably not trying to take down, you know, they're not like your standard constrictor where they're just going to go for this big right. thing true, and then true, they true. don't need to eat. They're gonna, they're an active forager. They're going to look for all little things that they can overpower pretty easily. Yep. And then exactly. keep it moving. Keep it moving. Yeah, 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 the yeah. That's, yeah I, I, that's well well said. I, I kind of see them as like a grazer almost, like uh-huh. cruising around like, oh, there's a little lizard. Let what? me swallow that in two seconds and just keep, keep it moving. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Damn. Absolutely. Coach whips are cool. <laughs> definitely cool, for sure. Those, I, I definitely, I, I really don't say this often, but I will almost call them a little difficult based on their needs, based on their habits. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not for a first-time keeper. 100%. But jumping from um, those, you also keep things like blue tongues, like the patternless blue tongues. <laughs> yes. And... So it's funny you, you segue there, because I, I actually have – the blue tongues and the coach whips in the same room. Boom! Perfect. Um, we just know a... we're we've been doing that. Look, we've been doing this a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was good, man. That was good. Yeah, man. Those uh those are definitely a labor of love. I'll I'll start by saying that. Yeah. Um, they're in quantity. They're uh, a lot of work. The blue tongues. They make mm-hmm. a fucking mess. Yup. <laughs> Um, I think I've personally never worked with the Australian species. I just do um, some of the Indo species. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I kind of envy the guys breeding northerns and whatnot because you just keep them dry and feed them dry food and all la-di-da, whereas these Indos, they need a, I would call a moderate to high level of humidity, mm-hmm. some even very high, uh, being the Halmaheras. Those are a new level yeah. of humidity requirement. Um, so high humidity, um, to the point they almost enjoy it like, uh, swampy, um, Mm -hmm. that with a large poop does not mix good. Um, (laughs) So they can be, uh, they can be challenging, but the first within the first generation, they lose that humidity requirement. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not saying you can keep them dry, like say a northern, because um, if you do that, they'll they'll develop like these like weird uh, kind of almost um, almost like a keeled scale, mm-hmm. like uh, they just the scale does not develop right or something. Mm. But um, whereas a wild caught import will need it super high humidity, like I'm talking ninety percent or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. your first generation captive, assuming you don't keep them that way from day one, um, is, I don't know, probably only going to require like 40, 50, 60%. Wow. Um, that's, that's quite the drop. That is a huge drop. And it's, it is so, so apparent. Like I can have, you know, I, I, I custom built this ginormous monstrosity of a rack for all my blue tongue. <laughs> mm-hmm. It it literally I built it into the room and it will never move ever. <laughs> I think I've it had was plenty like, of those over the years. Yeah, You're staying you guys, put. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can guess what material it was made out of. Oh yeah, <laughs> begins with an M and ends with a Elamine. fuck. <laughs> That's exactly right. That melamine, man. Exactly. But um, yeah, like I I can have um in the same rack um a long term captive you know, that I've bred and had for a long time right next in the tub next to uh, first generation. 
and that that import will still have shedding issues every time whereas the first generation animal will not be humid at all kept humid at all and have no shedding issues at all like perfect sheds wow Hmm. um so it's like things like that that uh i'm definitely looking forward to progressing more with it just as far as making it easier to keep them for other people you know um yeah for sure but uh yeah the patternless stuff is pretty cool i really enjoy them i held back a lot last year so i can do some more breeding trials um I basically uh, uh, proposed the project as it being a dominant gene because mm-hmm. uh, I've bred a wild-caught original patternless male to multiple unrelated wild-caught females and got first-generation patternless. Um, but because I've gotten everything in between from reduced pattern to kind of broken-up pattern, um, there's still some work to be done to see how it works exactly, of course. Um yeah. But with that that line of patternless, um, there's one trait that other imports I've seen do not have, and that is a striped tail. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I remember that it's getting mentioned. So I believe that's like the genetic marker, um, so to speak. So uh, particular animals I have that are um, reduced pattern, if you want to call that, mm-hmm. they have still have the full striped tail, and I believe. Again, I'll find out for sure next season, uh, meaning October. I believe those striped tail animals that may be reduced pattern will produce fully patternless offspring as well. That would be interesting. That would be super interesting, yeah. That's my theory. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I got a lot of pairings of, like, different combinations, like reduced pattern to reduced pattern or reduced pattern to unrelated wild-caught normal uh patternless to patternless uh patternless to reduce pattern i'm trying to do every combination of every variance just so i can really check everything off and yeah. say for sure what exactly is going on with the uh genetics you know hell yeah dude that's a super exciting project because when it comes to blue tongues like we get the shit end of the stick when it comes to morphs and, and yes. super cool things you know so <laughs> definitely definitely and uh yeah, I so I have so my patternless stuff is is pure what I call market maruki. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. if they're being sold as marukis. I'll be the first person to tell you I don't think they're all the same thing. But uh, I'll select them for the look that people like to call the locale maruki. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with that. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> locale, but uh, so. That, so those are pure Maruki. Um, I have pure Azanthic Halmaheras. Um, and then I have one, I'm sure you guys may have seen it, I have a male albino Halmahera. Mm, um, yes. So I'm trying to make double head snows. snows here. Yes. Hell with yeah. The, with the pure Halms. Um, but man, those things are challenging. Like I was mentioning before, they need an incredible level of humidity. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying that's the limiting factor to my success. There's a bunch of reasons, mm-hmm. but, uh, but they are challenging. Um, but I would like to get those off the ground. The male albino, um, like most, um, first generation albino stuff, um, uh, 
is basically blind, completely blind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's he's old at this point too. He's probably I don't know, over ten years old. Um, oh, so wow. he's got he's got full full blown cataracts in both eyes, um, and unfortunately, uh, blue tongues require them to uh, bite onto the female in order to to mate. And since he's blind, he can't quite do that. Um, mm. And he's he's basically uh, he's killed a couple females from just biting in the wrong places and, and stuff, uh, ooh, and ne- and never uh, never got the job done. Um, but uh, I'm keep trying, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so damn, yeah, that's, that's gotta be heartbreaking. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I oh, want man. this one guy to go. Just do it. Just I'm do like, it. I'm like, literally, I'm like, all I need is one fucking litter of babies from him. That's yeah. it. That's all I need is one, even one baby. You know, yep. I'll yeah. take one head. Yeah. Fucking male, female, I don't care. I'll go the long route and produce posets again. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, so that's the, that's, uh, the goal with, with them. Um, so, yeah, lots of uh, lots of blue tongues in the next season's forecast. Damn. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do you they babysit cool. with them when you pair them? Do you, or do you just kind of, like, let oh, them do yeah, anything? So, yeah, no. So um, I'll pair them up and literally – the male either goes instantly right into action or he doesn't. Uh-huh. Uh, and if he does, um, they, they, they're pretty quick. They mate right away. and I would say the whole process is like five minutes. Um, and then I separate them right out. And uh, mm-hmm. little, uh, little breeder trick, uh, I'll go for um, five consecutive days of pairings with, with uh, complete locks. And once... Once I see that five consecutive days of locks, I pretty much know the job is done. There's a great chance the female's gonna gonna go the distance. Nice, um, that's cool. And you and usually around that fifth fifth day of locks, the male will pretty much just start to ignore her, and and that's that. <laughs> He's like, I've already hit that. <laughs> yeah, I you know it's like it's almost as if there's some kind of pheromone or something that. A, a gravid female puts off or an ovulating female yeah like, yeah just be right, like hey i'm done like yeah like you guys can move it on because there's nothing you're gonna do with me this year yeah 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 <laughs> you know um like i've definitely seen like uh I, i'm all over the place here but in in boas particularly um when the female is close to ovulating mm-hmm. or or just or or currently ovulating the male will uh, actually move away from locking, of course, right? The job's done. Yeah. But he'll sit on top of her as huh. if to keep other males away. away. The job's done. That's it. And then once the full-blown ovulation's over, then they part ways, you know? That's interesting, yeah. That's and definitely, and I, uh, I, I actually got that tidbit from a buddy of mine. Uh, you guys know Mike Kostakos. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And sure enough, like when he had mentioned it, I was like, "Oh yeah, I see that shit all the time." <laughs> like now it makes sense, you know. <laughs> now it makes sense. In fact, that's usually something I'll I'll cue into and, and look for, you know. Yeah. Is how the male, even if they're not locking, how the male is in relation to the female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, picking up on those really minute behavioral differences. Yeah. Um, can changes. can sometimes give you a world of information that you know to the Absolutely. to the common keeper's eye would just be like oh that's Go, cute. it goes totally unnoticed yeah, yeah. exactly exactly yep. 
absolutely. Those are like those little those little tidbits are like really what I enjoy out of all this stuff is like just stuff that normally gets unnoticed or unspoken about is just like kind of interesting to me. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of the things this doesn't really play into captive snakes, but one thing that I saw in some wild snakes, um, I I love field herping, and I know you love field herping too. Hell yeah! Uh, but uh, I found copperheads, and I've a couple years in a row I've found litters of baby copperheads, and a lot of the times, almost every time, before the babies have their first shed, they'll actually sit almost right on the mother they'll sit right in the same area with the mother not more than a foot away from wherever she's hanging out at and then as soon as they have their first shed then all of them leave the area <laughs> absolutely hmm. yep it's, it's super weird so and the first time i saw it i was like oh that's weird they're just kind of hanging out maybe she just had them and then i noticed that they were in opaque and i was like okay if they're in opaque she didn't just have them today it must have been a couple days ago and then i come back a couple days later there's little sheds everywhere and no snakes <laughs> And they're gone, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's cool stuff, man. Really cool. I I haven't done much much herping lately. I freak, I really need to get out some more. But man, it's good. That's good stuff. There's nothing like seeing stuff like that in the wild. Oh, 100%. oh hell yeah, dude! It just every time that you see your like target species or something you don't see all the time, I get unreasonably hyped. I get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, man. That's, Oh That's my awesome, god! Dude. A couple weeks ago, we were out and we were looking for stuff, and I go to move this rock, and it had rained the night before. So I'm like thinking snakes. I'm like snakes are gonna be out. They're gonna be looking for toads, looking for frogs. I'm like all geeked up. I'm, I'm looking around. We had already found some snakes, but I was going to yep. flip this rock, and I moved some leaves from the edge of the rock, and there was a marbled salamander sitting there. And I was like, Oh, holy yeah. shit! Fuck! Oh yeah. my! I'm jumping all over the place. Kids are like, What is going? What are, are you okay? And I'm like, the Goddamn marble salamander! Look at it! Oh my god! Oh, that's, that's too cool, man. That's uh, awesome. Because they're so rare up here, you just never ever see them. Like in New England, it's so hard to find marble salamanders. Yeah. This is probably sure. only the like fourth one I've ever found, and oh, I was man, just like sweet. over the moon. I was so excited. Oh, yeah, dude. That's uh, really really cool. Uh, that is really cool. Uh, are there what? What do you go usually field herping for? What's your favorite thing to go find? Well, so I used to. Uh, I used to. I got my start with field herping with uh, Dave Prada. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, heavy into into the timbers. Mm, so yep. that was usually the goal. Um, but lately, more in the last few years, um, I've gotten a near semi-local uh, hognose spot. Ooh, um, that's cool. So I, I enjoy uh, going looking for them because um, they're, they're really – I won't say they're rare here. Um, there's a lot of them, but man, they're hard to find because of their life patterns. You know, they're they're 100%. not easy to find here. Hundred um, percent. So I really enjoy seeing them lately. Um, Hell yeah, dude! Like, I mean, like you know, like I don't, I like it all again. Like, <laughs> shit, if I if I find a fucking snapping turtle on the road, that makes my day. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like it all, man. The timbers though are impressive. Yeah. Um, those 100%. are uh, I, I'll never forget seeing my first one of those. Actually, it, I'll, I'll make it quick. There's a funny story. My first timber, uh, me and Dave were out. Um, we were, I believe, it was like we were going down a really long power line. It was a hell of a hike. I was fucking beat. <laughs> uh, I was like exhausted, like trying to keep up with him, um, which he was going really often at the time. So he was like in great shape. 
but I was I was dragging ass and uh, while while at one point like it was a pretty slow day because it was really hot out and there wasn't much other than a, a random racer here and there scurrying around. Yeah. Um, and as we're hiking, he's telling me how we're coming up on a spot where he found his first timber, um, and it was basically like. Uh, I'm not sure the word you'd use, like the foundation of the power lines, like those huge concrete yeah. slabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kind of in the in the middle of fucking nowhere, you know? And, of course. Uh, so he's like, oh, yeah, that one up ahead, that's where I found my first one. And sure enough, we get up on the spot, and there in the same spot where he had mentioned there's a big old timber, and that Damn. was my first timber I ever found. And when we... When we compared the pictures of that being my first to the picture he had taken of finding his first there as well, it was the same exact snake, like, almost 20 years apart. That's, That's fucking amazing. awesome. Hell How yeah, cool is dude. that? That is Hell so yeah. damn cool. And I, we literally both, I, I lost my photo at this point, but he still has his, and literally... It was the same snake in the exact same spot almost 20 years later. Wow. Damn. That, that was really cool. Both, both of our first timbers. That's amazing. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> that's a story, dude. That is. 100%. Yeah, that was, pretty, that was pretty cool. Hell sure. yeah. But it just goes to show, like, when people go out there and they disturb habitats and move exactly. things around, they're disturbing this habitat of this animal that might have been using it for 20 or 30 or 40 years, that, where it's got exactly. certain yep. spots where they like to hang out. And if you're messing, if you're stacking rocks and doing all this crap, you could theoretically yep. be ruining this habitat for this animal that's been coming there for longer than I've been alive. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. man. Exactly. No, it's so Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I definitely, I definitely need to get uh, get out some and do some more herping though, for sure. Fuck hell yeah. yeah. While we're on the topic, man, I just got I had gotten tagged in a in a Facebook post from a, a college professor who lived nearby my hometown, and uh, two days in a row after I found this out after sending her a private message, two days in a row she came across a copperhead right on the trail that wow. she was jogging on. She's like, look identical to me but I, but she only got pictures of one day and uh so there was this whole debate because she did she's not a, a reptile person at all so she didn't know what it was she posted it, the picture and was asking people for help so somebody tagged me in it and i was like oh it's a copperhead that's awesome and i know that there's a small population that existed in that area and then somebody in the comment section uh posted a photo of a timber that they saw going across a, a road mm -hmm. and I hit him up and I was like, where did you find that? Because I, lo I looked at his profile and I was like, oh, he lives in the same area, so maybe he happened to be in that same general area because mm -hmm. there's also a timber den and small population sure. in that area. And um, he was like, no, dude, it was crossing the street in, in town. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I live over here. And I was like, I know there's supposed to be a population over there, but I hadn't seen any in years. And here you are basically just like sitting on your porch and you're like, oh, oh what's that rope in the that, road? That's a oh, <laughs> <laughs> that thing is like, oh, another rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, the herping stories, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool absolutely. to find it when you want them, but then you always you, hate the guy that finds them they when they're not anything. even trying they to find them. They're they just like, care. oh, yeah. I found this weird thing here, and uh, do you know what it is? And I'm like, ah! Yeah. I've spent my whole <laughs> life looking for one of those! God damn it! 
Absolutely. Uh, it literally happened to me last summer. This uh, campground that I used to do educational programs at, mm -hmm. that was like five minutes from my house. The woman who runs it, um, it's part of the Appalachian Mountain Club campground like thing. And every now and again, she'll send me pictures of the water snakes out there because she knows that I would love going down and seeing the water snakes and the turtles and all this stuff. And she sends my mom a picture of a salamander she's like i think someone let go of their like pet salamander i've never seen one of these things here before and she's been doing this for like 40 years where she's been managing this campground and my mom texts me the picture she's like i don't know what it is so can you, can you tell me what it is boom marbled salamander right out there and Jeez. i was like you wow. gotta report it to fishing game you gotta tell somebody because <laughs> they'll help protect that land so if anyone tries to develop the yeah. land near there you can get some help for protecting it yep and i was just like super geeked i called her immediately i was like where did you find that you gotta <laughs> section off that area don't let anyone go over there don't let anyone yep. touch it <laughs> That's, that's how that's I felt. Awesome. That's yeah. how I felt. My my cousin hit me up a couple of years ago, and she was like, "Hey, my friend found this these snakes uh, under her trash can. She's not sure what they are. Can mm. you tell me what they are?" And sends me a picture, and it's three eastern hog noses under wow. the trash can. And I was like, wow. "Are you fucking kidding me?" That's awesome. <laughs> she that's was like, awesome. "Is this a good thing or a bad thing?" I was like, "It's an amazing thing, but don't touch them. Yeah, leave them Just off. leave them be." <laughs> that's pretty cool. Oh man! I I uh, I moved recently, and uh, my new place. I have a, a resident population of garters. Cool. Um, that are like living in like my walkway, and I'm like enjoying every minute of that. I wake Hell up yeah, to like dude. garters basking on my walkway. That's yeah. awesome. Hell yeah! So, uh, that's been pretty cool, you know. I you wonder is that a requirement one. you put in on the Zillow search? <laughs> like, must have snakes already on property. Yeah, three bedrooms. Two you, baths, you know what's funny? I was like thinking snakes. like. What'd you say? Three, it's got to have three bedrooms, two baths, and a group of snakes that live in the area. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's funny because uh, a couple buddies of mine, uh, he, a buddy of mine, he lives in the Bronx, and in his backyard, he has a uh, population of the DKs. Oh, uh, hell which, yeah. You know, are, it's so being in the Bronx, you know, you wouldn't expect a, a healthy driving population of snakes in someone's backyard. <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. Uh, and then uh, um, Kostakos has a population of the uh, uh, Italian wall lizards in his front yard. What? Uh, That's dope. So, so I'm like, oh man, I, I joined the uh, group, the crew now. I got Hell a yeah. pet shop in my, in my yard. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. Dude, that's so awesome. Uh. Oh, living, we, all uh, we got are chickens. Them. Yeah, we fucking... chickens. Yeah. Well, of... well, that's why you don't have reptiles. Uh, I, know. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know. Those it's... little mini dinos are uh, clearing them out. Yeah, yeah. right. Jeez. <laughs> Ooh, terrible. <laughs> oh man. Oh shit. Uh. So, what do you guys got going on this season? How's your seasons going? Um, Rob's had a way better season than I have. <laughs> so my season got like. <laughs> totally thrown out of whack because when i i moved uh up to new hampshire i moved my snake room into one part of the house and then had to move it to a different part of the house but it was already after i'd i'd gotten everything kind of dialed in i'd already started pairing up stuff and uh when i moved uh everything into the room that they're in now the temperatures were a lot harder to kind of dial in um so it took me forever to kind of get them back in a space where i could finished cycling them and right. it threw me all out of whack every pretty much every carpet that i had breeding either reabsorbed or through slugs ah. uh and then out of the 10 ball pythons i paired up i only had two that went so it was 
a, a really shitty year, but now uh, I I finally got it all dialed in. So this fall will be cool. a much better thing. But Rob, on the other hand, is I've... fucking crushing it <laughs> and making me hate myself. <laughs> Almost everything I paired this season went. Yeah. The only... Oh man. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Those are the best seasons. Uh, of course. I was not expecting it. I was expecting <laughs> like half of it to go and then everybody started going and going and going and oh, i was like nice. oh man i'm gonna have so many babies <laughs> the only nice, thing that's man. throwing me off this season is my scrub python and she locked up she we ultrasound her she had 40 millimeter follicles all this stuff she's sitting good acting like she's pregnant all the everything's good and then she just had a shed that i thought might be a prelay shed and then i was she was like sitting there and we were feeding stuff and i was like oh i'll offer her a rat because she's been refusing food for the last two months and i'll like, uh, just see if she wants a rat offered it to her slammed it and i was boom. like okay what the fuck's oh, going on man. now i don't know what's uh, happening and, yeah, <laughs> i don't know that's the only thing that didn't go but i had three clutches of borneo short tail pythons I had a clutch of carpet python uh, west poplin carpet pythons and all those things came out like amazing and i'm super stoked awesome. with how all that stuff went so i don't Good know stuff I haven't really posted about them online because I don't want people to bother me about buying them. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Congrats. Yeah, it's, it's been good. How's your season going? Um, I, I can actually relate more to uh, Jeremy on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, not alone. <laughs> Woo! It's definitely, definitely an off year for me. Lots of fucking slugs. Yeah. Uh, this winter was weird, man. Super weird. Yeah, you know, it was. It, it was. definitely I mean, was, yeah. Here in here in uh, southern New York, we literally got no snow yep. this year. Yeah, we uh, must any. have been nice. We had like, yeah, shit. I'm not complaining. I hate I hate the fucking winter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, like, uh, yeah, we had like a total of like three inches the entire year. Oh uh, wow, which is bizarre. We, you know, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm not gonna. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily point fingers as far as what could have changed that but uh it was just a real off season for me i still have some stuff coming um that i'm looking forward to but um like jeremy was saying i'm i'm already looking ahead to next season i got some new stuff that i'm really excited to pair up um that i haven't done in the past um so yeah i'm just excited uh excited for next season i have some stuff still coming this year that are new to me that are going to be interesting so cool um so yeah, I mean, uh, this this season definitely has some highlights, but not as good as it, as I have in the past. Um, but I'm okay with that. You know, that just to me, to me, when you have an off season, that means next year your animals are primed and ready to go. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I I I really feel bad. I don't. I was listening to some one of the reptile podcasts. I don't remember which one. I don't really, I don't really sit down and listen to stuff religiously. It's just when I have a few moments, I'll like click something and listen for a few moments. So I don't remember which podcast it was. I don't even remember what guest was saying it. So if you're listening to this, I apologize for not remembering. <laughs> but I'm gonna, but this is me giving you credit. Um, someone said the most important aspect to breeding X species is you. I'm gonna paraphrase. You have to get them onto a cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and I completely agree that if you can establish some sort of cycle, I don't care what months and what temperatures, but if you have a repeating pattern for 
And I'll go as far as saying on some animals it takes up to five years, Mm -hmm. anywhere between two to five years, depending on the species. Obviously, there's some that will go right off the bat. You can reset them, so to speak, quicker. Yeah. Uh, If you establish a cycle, you you can breed any species. Um, And there there are certain things that are going to work for certain species. Some might react to food cycles. Some might react to temperature cycles. Um, I don't like to say uh, humidity cycles because that, in my opinion, that correlates to rainfall in a said area, mm-hmm. which directly translates to cooler temperatures, yeah. right? When, when something's wet and getting rained on, they're cold or colder, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't necessarily think it's. Uh, obviously, we're not talking about frogs or something, but I don't think it's rainfall that's triggering something. I think that is what triggers the temperature change. Hmm. Um, but regardless, I think if you can get something on a repeated pattern, I won't even go as far as calling it a cycle, a repeated pattern for a consistent amount of time, you'll breed anything. Hell yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Yeah, dude. It's, a, it's the constant changing, in my opinion, that throws these animals off and gives them a reputation of being hard to breed Mm -hmm. um like you know i see um with boland's pythons nowadays that um we have a lot of really good dedicated guys keeping them for a long amount of time i can definitely relate to the frustration uh every year that goes by without success but i think troubleshooting is hurting the progression rather than just sticking with one game plan uh-huh yeah um and i think i think if even if conditions aren't even ideal so to speak just the consistency gets them on a cycle and is enough to push them into reproduction you know yeah no i think that's i think that's spot on dude 100 percent. so whoever said the key is getting them onto a cycle I forgot who you are, but credit is due to you. <laughs> Facts. 100%. And I, I think that that definitely plays in the Bolins community. It plays in the scrub community. A yes. lot of people get the scrubs, and then they they go one or two years where they're trying to breed them, and they don't produce anything, and they just get rid of them. And now the next yep. person has to start that cycle all over Ex- again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and it's just it's setting the timer back every time that you have to do that every time that you do that i honestly think that's what kind of messed up my year this year because i had my girl set up on a certain way of doing things and then uh i got encouraged to move her from one area of the building to a different area of the building and i think that might have thrown things out of whack and and because she was doing all the right stuff and then now i I don't know if she's gonna go so we'll see yeah no i mean that can definitely disrupt things in my opinion i mean even within, like you were saying, even within one in the same building, each room it's can different. really be mm-hmm. so different. Yeah, as far as air pressure and temperature and stuff like that, hundred um, percent. I think plays a huge role. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Hell so yeah, dude. you work with uh, Komodo, and then you started up a reptile finder to help people kind of find unusual things that they've been looking for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been with. Uh, Dave Prada at Komodo for uh, about 15 years now. Um, it's uh, it's it's a been a hell of a journey. We've uh, 
it's a the rodent and feeder business is a crazy business lots of ups and downs um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah but uh but i love it i wouldn't trade it for the world um but definitely uh, uh i kind of keep it separated between the feeder side of things and the reptile side of things and that's where i decided to start reptile finder um because i noticed there was so much interest uh and i don't know maybe the last five years or eh, not even maybe the last three years where people are really branching out away from your pet store staples um and appreciating all these different species that are now available yeah. um and uh and yeah I, I just enjoy like putting cool animals in appreciative people's hands hell yeah yep 100 percent, dude you know and uh and yeah so that's that that's how that uh came about um but yeah, Komodo uh, is cool. I I actually really enjoy working with the rodents and and that kind of stuff. I'm not so hands on um, anymore, uh, which is okay. I've I've really fucking had my fill of uh, of rodents, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but actually, it's funny. Uh, recently, I've been messing with our uh, African sulfur colony lately, and I've been uh, selecting for solid white. Cool. Um, so I've got some. Uh, it's not. It's actually not new. I did a little deep dive online. There's been a, quite a few people that have gone like the distance with like African software genetics. Mm -hmm. um, just like how you have all these established colors with uh, regular rats, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been people that have done it with softwares, so it's nothing new, but new to me. And uh, yeah, so I've got a lot of softwares now that are. Uh, almost identical to a mouse just solid white that's crazy interesting yeah so that's been a little pet project lately um yeah there's lots of lots of um just like with reptiles there's a lot of nuance when it comes to keeping them successfully long term mm -hmm. and same can definitely be said uh with the rodents um a lot of people that are not in the know think oh yeah you know, it's like the saying goes, they breed like mice, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. It is, it is not that easy. It is, <laughs> it is far from easy. And uh, a lot goes into it from temperature to nutrition to, uh, you know, socialization. Like, you know, family groups are extremely important uh, when it comes to breeding mice. So there's a lot of uh, different aspects with the rodents and stuff like that that, you don't um get with reptiles and there's a lot of crossover as well um and i like i like it all like at the end of the day i'm an animal person you know hell yeah um, hell yeah dude so we're coming down to the end of our time here we got yeah, one yeah. one question before we wrap things up and it can be in your collection it can be in a different collection it can be uh, or in the realm of reptiles what's something right now that has got you excited or something that you're really looking forward to see more of all right, so this is actually pretty easy for me to, to decide. <laughs> um, and I seen they were available, I don't know, maybe a year ago. I'm sure you guys saw them. And now I'm seeing people raise them up. They're in the right hands. And I've seen actually a picture today or yesterday of them locked up. Um, the, uh, oh, man, what are they called? The common uh, Crocodilorus amazonicus. Uh, what's the comment on those? The uh Croc, uh, Cayman Tegus lizards. Oh yeah, what the hell oh, are they? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not Cayman lizards. The uh, what are they? 
not crocodile wizards. Uh, crocodile tegu? Is that what they call them? Yeah, I think that's I think the so. Yeah, crocodile tegu. Yeah, the crocodilorus. Uh, those are those are, are badass to me. It's like an aquatic tegu. Yeah. Hell um, yeah. And uh, I remember, like way back when I first got serious with reptiles, there was a vendor on King Snake. It might have been uh, DTS Herp, Dan Scalaro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he had a lone male for a long time, and I remember just like seeing it sit on King Snake, and I was just like, "Wow, that thing is so cool!" And like, and now finally, um, with people producing a hand, literally a handful of them. Uh, it looks like they made their way into the right hands, and I'm really looking forward to seeing those um, get a semi-established at least. I'd love to work with those one day. Hell to Hell yeah, yeah. Dude. So if people want to find out more about you and the things that you're doing, where would be the best place to go? Yeah, absolutely. Facebook would be your best bet. You can hit me up, Adam G. Feel free to drop me a message. I'm always down to talk uh, cool herps. Um, and yeah, Facebook's the place for me. Um, yeah. and I'd love to chat. And I really uh, appreciate you guys having me on tonight. This was fun. Hell and, yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Thanks <laughs> Absolutely, guys. All right, man. Take care. Have a nice night. All right, fellas. Have a good night, and uh, thanks for listening to me ramble for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) All right, fellas. All right, take take care. care. Bye. Good night.